Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh. Hope you all are doing well. I'm excited, as always, to be able to serve you all through live Q&A. If you're watching this for the very first time, my name is Josh Reyes. I also know as Coach Josh. And my goal is to help make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this, you're like, man, I like that guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe. I would love to be a coach here online. But for those who've been rocking with me as a subscriber, a listener, however you've been around, uh, for whether it's been 14 years or 14 minutes, I want to say thank you all so much um, for your continued support. It's greatly appreciated. And I just appreciate you guys' community. As everyone is coming in live, let me know where you watch from. Get your fingers ready. Get your questions ready. Get them ready. Because I'm here to serve you all just for a little bit. Won't be on here too long. But for those who need one-on-one coaching and you're like, hey, man, I would love to have this uh, um, for more than just five minutes or 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But I would love to have an hour or so with this, with this with myself. And you need help with your relationships, spiritual development, singleness, purpose, branding and marketing needs. Hey, let me know. I would love to serve you. Also, check out my latest book, um, The Wholeness Journal. Are you whole enough to hold? The Important Things of Life. Great book, great resource available now on my website, IamUnplugged.com, with a plethora of other books. I'm an author of eight books, three card games, um, a lot of great resources, courses, and all that stuff's available right now on my website, IamUnplugged.com. So let's get right into it. Let's see what we got. Oh, oh we're here now. Um, uh, PTL, I'm gonna get to you, Chris, for a minute. PTL says, Hey, coach, I had a feeling you were going live today. Hey, must be the Lord, man. Must be the Lord. I'm glad to be here. Oh, <laughs> I ain't even take myself off the screen. Hold on, give me one second. There, I go. I'm back. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? Hey, Uni, hey, co- uh, coach, I hope you're well. All is well. All right, all right. Saying hi from Australia. Thank you, Tennessee in the building. Uh, the Harmony says, The Harmony Pill, hey, coach, bless up. God bless you too. All right. So let me scroll back up to my brother, Christopher, and answer his question. Christopher says, I've managed to stay lust-free for 106 days, and today just feels hard at the age of 23 and marriage not in sight or mind. Uh, Is my relapse inevitable? Is it possible to go years without giving it? It's possible, but it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. Uh, um, In your own effort, you're unable to. And the best advice I would give a young man like yourself is to take it one hour at a time. Every hour, every other hour, every half day, assess where you are. Assess where you are. And then really begin to surround yourself with the right systems to overcome that. Um, the best way not to fall into sin is to make sure that that sin is not within arm's reach. Right. So you have to go to drastic measures. There's going to be a time where you are 106 days in and you're going to feel a little bit like, uh, is this logically possible? It's not possible without God. All things are possible through him, though. Right. So what I would do is take an assessment. Why am I weak today? And if you continue to mentally overly indulge in the idea of you going this long and thinking possibly that inevitably you're going to fall, then my friend, you're going to fall. But if you begin to focus on Christ, focus on your spiritual disciplines, focus on your systems and resources, then my friend, you will find yourself running like strong horses, right? And it is possible. It's possible for me to go years without giving in. But you have to give up to not give in. You have to give up all your effort, all your strength into God and allow his strength to mobilize and enable you to overcome the impossible when it comes to that, because when you start to dwell more and more on the idea of, well, it's been 106 days and I'm a single man and marriage is not in sight, then you will lose sight of the one and the division that he has for you. Right. You always got to make sure your focus is where it needs to be. 
and your perspectives have been shifted enough where you don't find yourself in a place of contemplation because idle time is the devil's playground. Idle time leads to idle mind. Idle mind leads to idle hands. Idle hands lead to idle worship. And idle hands will lead you doing something else with your hands that you don't want to, which will then trigger the urge and desires to find something else. And then you expire uh, on what it is that you have accomplished so far. One thing you don't want to do is disrupt the momentum. So right now you have to go to God and vent. Vent to God and say, hey, I trust you with my marriage. I trust you that you have the right woman for me. And I trust that by your spirit, you will strengthen me through this. And then go do some push-ups. Then go to the gym. Right. Work on that book. Work on that art. Work on that creative idea or whatever. Right. Call an accountability partner. Find strength in this answer right here and replay this video over and over again because his strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you acknowledge you're weak, you'll find yourself strong in him. Hope to help him. Trust me. I know that feeling. I've been there. Uh, Miss Thomas says how to deal with the failure of a fast. You're human. Be gracious with yourself. You're going to make mistakes. If you fail, dust yourself off and try again. The psalmist Aaliyah said, right? So how do you deal with failure of any kind? You deal with it realizing that, that you didn't die in the failure, right? You didn't die in the failure. There's always an opportunity, right? Next, you got to uh, um, seek to see, engage. I uh, forget. I was going to spell deal, but I guess it's just not this opportunity. Now, let me keep it real simple with you. You deal with failure by realizing that you cannot allow yourself to be identified by the failure. Failure is a part of learning. Now you look at the failure like, what can I learn from this failure? What can I learn from this? Uh, what what caused me to be susceptible to fall in this fast? God is gracious. God is kind. Sometimes God leads you to do things knowing that you're going to fail so that you can find the lesson. Oftentimes God allows you to fail knowing you're going to fail, but lead you into failure knowing that that failure is going to lead you to a lesson and lesson leads to blessings. All right. So no need to stressing. Go find the lesson and then you'll find the blessing and you'll find uh, yourself not guessing. And right. And then you'll find yourself really pressed in even more the next time from the lesson that you learned. Hope to help. Jojo says, hey, what's up, Coach Josh? What does it mean when you keep seeing 1111? Because I believe in spiritual numbers. I just keep it on the shelf, man. Um, There are a couple of numbers that I'm seeing a lot now. Uh, this year, but I don't really necessarily go too deep in them because then uh, you'll set yourself up to idolize them and you'll focus more on the numbers than the one um, that's that's the lover of your soul instead of the one who's really trying to guide you. See, oftentimes those things could mean something. Those things could guide in some direction. God could possibly use that as a reminder, but the enemy knows the human heart's uh, 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 susceptibility and is pro being prone to idol worship and following zodiac signs, following numbers, and not following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Could they mean something? They could, but make sure you find the meaning of your life in God and the meaning and the help of the Holy Spirit in, in your life. That's the best advice I can give on that. PTL, my brother says, so I'm in a season I call the process where I'm not where I want to be, but I'm building towards it. How do you learn to enjoy the now? Well, the beautiful thing about the now is the person that you're becoming. See, the prize is not worth more than the process. The prize can't make nothing out of you. Prizes don't make people. Prizes break people. Processes make people. So what you have to do is when you know you're not there yet, but you're building towards it, every now and then check in with yourself and say how far you have grown. How far have you developed? How far have you matured? 
then you will begin to have greater hope and begin to have greater joy because you were like, man, I'm becoming stronger. I'm actually better than I used to be. Oftentimes when I check in, I am in awe of the supernatural handiwork of God in my life. Like when I face trials now, it's crazy how the past trials and how I faced them, the responses of those things were drastically or drastically different than how I face them now. I'm extra calm. I'm more at peace. And then I check in, I'm like, man, okay, God, you're really developing a, a, a new version of me. So the best thing to do right now is to continue to check in and to see your growth and rejoice in the fact that whenever it is your time, you will be the person to match that thing. So don't worry about when it comes in the uh, in time, maximize the meantime, the time in the middle. So yes, these seasons, seasons do pass. The issue is don't make a temporary season permanent. So when you find yourself frustrated or aggravated, be cognizant of the idea of the human, build, the human being uh, uh, tendency to do dumb decisions in seasons where they're frustrating in and then causing that season to be longer than what it needs to be. So how do you learn to enjoy the now? Realizing that's all you have. Tomorrow's not promised. I told my students today, those who live as if tomorrow is promised, they procrastinate today. Those who live as if tomorrow is not promised are productive today. All you have is the now. Be present. I told a young man I was coaching last week or this. Yeah, last week. I said the best thing to do in life right now is to be present. How can you be a present to someone if you're not present with someone? <clears throat> How can God utilize your presence in his presence to be a present to someone else who doesn't even know who God is? So now, today is the day of salvation. Through you, for you, by you, not by you, but through you and for you, right? And so the beautiful thing about now is that's, that's all you have. And right now is where the hidden gems are, the hidden blessings are. The Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. This day right now you living in has never, ever existed before. No matter how stringent, or not stringent, but no, no matter how detailed your regiments are, no matter if you do the same thing every day, one inch, one moving of the pinky toe made a day different. No matter, no matter how uh, specific you are on your days, all days are different. And when you realize all days are different, then you will be present in them, knowing that 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 it is in the engagement of the day that you find your way. I tell people all the time, the more engaged you are in a thing, the longer you'll be married to a thing. The longer you engage a thing, the longer you'll be married to a thing. Now, what does that mean? When you, I engage with my wife, the more present I am with my wife, the more engaging I am with my wife, the greater the marriage, the greater the bond, the longer I will be married. The more I engage with God, the greater the bond, the greater the strength, the greater the trust. So right now you have to be engaged so that you will eventually, when it's time to be married to a thing, you will know what it's like to engage that thing to cause that thing to last its full duration. So you enjoy the now by entering into God's joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. In his presence, there's a fullness of joy. The only way that you can continue to build on what you're building is to enter God's joy, not the joy, because you're not going to always find joy where you are. But if you know where you are is in God, you will always have a fullness of an opportunity to be joyful. Cincinnati, what's going on? Your Bengals, your Bengals doing all right. Uh, 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 Nimasa says, 
How do you graciously bow out from a friendship that holds you responsible for their childhood trauma and abandonment issues? Well, the first thing is um, you're not the source of their trauma or abandonment issues. Oftentimes, people love to throw the word responsibility out there as a manipulative tool to keep you bound to the situation. They want you to feel so bad that you have no other opportunity but to be with that person and then find yourself uh, frustrated, miserable throughout the process. So graciously, some things are required. Grace may be a, 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 an opportunity, but some people you just have to cut it the way it is. So the way you remove yourself from a friendship is like this. <clears throat> First, I want you to write down the value of this friendship. I want you to write the person's name down. I want you to write down um, um, what made this friendship a friendship, right? Is this person more of a, a taker than a giver? And don't judge the friendship necessarily based upon the past experience. Uh, check it from the most recent past, including today. Right. And if that individual saying you're the reason for their childhood trauma and abandonment issues, how so? Did you really do something to them to that degree? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh. And abandonment has nothing to do with you. Listen, some people, are they throw the word abandonment out there, they throw the word rejection out there, but they don't look themselves in the mirror and say, am I the reason that's causing people to cause treason, not treason, but give them a reason to leave? Some people abandon you because you are abandonable. Some people reject you because you are rejectable. Like you reject something. Like I told my kids the other day, I said, I don't, I said, you know how many aunties, uh, grandmas, Moms, I have offended because I rejected a potato salad. I hate mayonnaise. The devil's one A and mayonnaise is one B. Okay. That's how bad I hate mayonnaise. And so for me, I don't care who you is, mama, grandmama, uh, uh, mama law, no matter who you is, I'm rejecting your potato salad. So be, don't that doesn't mean I don't love you. It's just that it's whatever you're presenting is not lovable. Right. So some people's rejection and abandonment is because they are presenting something that you cannot uh, embrace. So what you do is you can do one of two things. You can uh, 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 have a conversation with them and say, hey, man, uh, this friendship is not where it is, what I would like to be. And whoop, de whoop, whatever it is. Or you can just say, you know what? I'm a left in the rope. I'm going to make my absence communicate with you. And then if that person begins to ask why you're absent, then tell them, hey, man, you're you're putting more on me than I'm able to bear. I am not the source of your rejection or abandonment. I'm not the source of any of those traumatic experience. And even if you were the reason for it, if God has forgotten it as far as east from the west and this person's still remembering, then that person's not well enough for you to be able to be forgiven. They're not well enough for you to be able to engage them because they will constantly, until they're whole, will use that against you and and continue to dig a hole for you to be buried in this relationship unnecessarily. Hope that. Uni says, Coach, I know everyone has seen a pastor react out Jesus spitting in the blind man's eye. Have you seen that? And what do you say about it? Just wanted to bring it up as I've seen it done. Are you talking about? I think you're talking about the Mike Ty situation. I couldn't really watch it all the way through because as soon as he started spitting his hand, I said, Man, I turned it off. Um, sometimes, um, I don't know the guy personally. I did go to school with his wife. I did go to Oral Roberts. He was there, uh, while I was there. 
I remember him walking on campus and because uh, Greenwood, the church that eventually changed the transformation, we used to go to that church. I only went like maybe three or four times and then it just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but but yeah, so I seen him around. I went to school with his wife, but I don't know him personally enough. And, and I usually don't go into depth on another person that I don't know personally. Uh, but I would just give you things like, you know, people make mistakes and 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 I just don't think that was a good look. I just think you don't have to repeat miracles for illustrating purposes, especially that miracle. If that illustration is not going to lead to to actual uh, um, healing or change, I just don't, don't think it's beneficial. So that's all I would say on that. The Harmony Pill says how to deal with an ex who was emotionally and verbally abusive and is now slandering me online. Let the, let God prepare a table in the present enemy. Let people let people vent out everything they got to say. Never join a fool. It's never cool to join a fool. It's never cool to join a fool. And so if a fool is being foolish, let the fool be foolish alone. Because when a fool is foolish alone, after the sound, after the after the uh, storm has passed, your name will stand. People are going to always attack a gold name. I tell people all the time, a gold name drug through the mud is still as valuable as it's polished. Just because gold is drugged through the mud, after that gold has been cleaned up, it's just as valuable in the dirt as it is polished. So if a person is, is emotionally and verbally slandering and abusing you online, let them do it and live your best life offline. I would block him online and live your best life offline and allow that person to be a fool online because that person is just trying to slander you to make himself look good. So it's okay. People are going to do that. I know the pettiness in you wants to be, wants to peek out, but don't be petty. Two people arguing at a distance, both look like fools. Wise people, the Bible says a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise person quietly holds it back. A fool gives full vent to his or her spirit, but a wise person quietly holds it back. Your silence will speak more volumes than his slander online. Hope that. Oh, I think he had a part two. You and he says, for real, but this one was, what do you make of it? I know I shouldn't worry about it, but I was feeling some type of way about it, but did pray to the Lord to help me let go and move forward. Are you talking about, I, I, I'm thinking you're talking about the same situation. Um, make sure. Clarify for me, Uni, if you need to. Corey says, hey, coach, do you think I should be praying for my future husband right now in my singleness? The only time you should be praying for someone like that is their name has been dropped in your spirit. Not their name, but if that person has been dropped in your spirit. Why? Because it's not wise for a person to continuously pray about a thing because their human heart is deceptive. And the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who knows it? And that heart will begin to idolize through prayer, utilizing a spiritual stream to, 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 to send emotional desire to an idol. Right. So God is not going to necessarily have you pray for someone if you're not prepared. What I mean by prepared, that you're not content enough in God. Right. And what I would do is he or she is in God's hands or him. So should you be praying for your future husband? Nah, he good. God got enough prayer warriors praying for him. What, what I would do is if God drops him in your spirit, pray for him. Don't get me wrong, but don't just, just practice every day praying for him. 
and, and come to find out that your heart is leaning more towards uh, uh, your idol, your idolatry being uh, being fed versus you being fed by the bread of life, the daily bread, right? And so you just have to process to make sure your heart. So what I will do first is look at your heart. Look at your heart and ask yourself, why am I praying for him? Am I content with my singleness? Am I upset with my singleness? Am I some way side-eyeing God because I'm I'm upset that I don't have my man right now? Am I trying to use prayer as a manipulative tool to try to bend the hand of God? Am I trying to do more than I should? Am I praying more for him than I'm actually preparing myself? Never pray for someone more than your preparation of yourself. The prayers you should be praying is, God, make, make me in the woman I need to be for him. Father, show me in my heart that's, that, that's in me that is not ready for him. Those are the prayers, prayers of, 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 of reflection, prayers of self-examination, prayers. And that's why I tell people like this, things you can't control to a degree like an individual takes up too much of our prayer time. A lot of our prayer time should be dedicated um, to conversation with God, communicating with God, to self-reflection, to self-development, to, to allowing the word to be a mirror to see our hearts. That's what we should be doing with the bulk of our spiritual uh, uh, engaging time. But I, I mean, yeah, God drops him in your spirit. Now, what's the difference between your heart desperately wanting something and your spirit telling you to pray for someone? Always examine your heart. You'll know what to do. Hope that. Uh, Jesus Singh says, how do I tolerate my family when they're lost? They are lazy, don't want to do better in their lives and health, watch TV all day, smoke cigarettes, etc. I get frustrated and come. You're frustrated with the wrong family. I mean, you focused on the wrong family. When Jesus' mother and brother came up to Jesus, and they was, and the Bible says in Mark, it gave, there was a little tension there that they didn't really didn't agree with everything Jesus was doing. She said, who's my mother? Who's my brother? Except for those in the kingdom of God. They're my mothers. They're my brothers. You're focused on the wrong family. Right now, if you, if you are saved and grafted in the family of God, you're focusing on the wrong family. There's nothing wrong with focusing on your family for, for loving on them, being gracious to them, being kind to them. But when your focus on them is causing you to be more frustrated than building in faith for them, then you're focused on them too much. So people are going to people. People are going to be lazy. People are not going to take care of their health. But you cannot allow your focus of someone or something else to cause unnecessary frustration. Unnecessary frustration hinders flow. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Unnecessary frustration because of wrong focus hinders your flow and fellowship of God. Because now you're fellowshipping more with the idea of what you see them as individuals. And you fellowship more with the, what there's going on, what's, what's realistic in their lives now, that you're not even focusing on you. You're not even focused on um, um um, um, you and God. And so now if you're uncomfortable around them, you have to ask yourself, is there any self-righteousness there? Now, don't get me wrong. You may be uncomfortable because it's just like, man, that's just not. But you, if you're uncomfortable because of self-righteousness, you got to humble yourself. Because the only way that you can help your family is through humility. Right. The only way that you can really see them through the lens of God is through humility. The only way that you can take the speck out of their eyes, is take the beam out of yours. I'm not saying it's you, but if it applies to you, then you'll understand. If you're frustrated, it's probably because you're focusing too much on them and you are too fervent in them being God's servants and you're desiring them to be something they're not able to right now. Therefore, there could be some impatience. <clears throat> there could be some level of, of, of impulsiveness. And now you are uncomfortable around them because possibly you may be seeing yourself above them. You may be seeing that yourself better than them. 
But see, when you look at them through the eyes of God, you have empathy. That doesn't mean that you engage with them all the time. It just means your heart has changed towards them where you're not necessarily uncomfortable because, oh, y'all beneath me or whatever. You're uncomfortable because of cigarette smoke. <laughs> you're uncomfortable because it's cussing. And I'm not, then that's when you remove yourself. Now, if you're if you're uncomfortable because the smoke is is too much, the cussing is too much, the yelling is too much, the sin is too much. See, Jesus didn't hang around sinners while sinning. Jesus ate with sinners, but who called them sinners? It was the Pharisees that called them sinners. Who knew where they sinning? And it's one thing if they was over there smoking, drinking, doing stuff. These individuals were perceived as sinners because his Pharisees was probably knew what they were doing. The Pharisees looked at them beneath them. Now they're sinners now. When Jesus ate with sinners, he didn't eat with individuals who were sinning in his presence. They were inquiring about his presence. They are inquiring how that presence can destroy the yokes off their life. They wasn't in there and Jesus cracking dirty jokes and Jesus smoking cigars. I mean, over there talking about uh, uh, Big Booty Judy. The girl he just talked to at the well, he wasn't out there at the party. Like, you know, I talked to that shawty at the well, flipped the city upside down. I might call her later. That's not what Jesus was doing. They were tired of their sins. Therefore, they was going to the savior of their sins, but they was not sinning in his presence. So now, if they're inquiring about the hope that's in you, but they're still fumbling in their sins, that's different. But if their just sins are just too loud, and it's too whatever, and it's quenching your spirit and stuff like that, then you put some distance, but don't don't go too far. Hope to help. My boy, my brother Kenny, my brother, man, appreciate your support, man. Love you, man. That's my brother, man. Brother from another mother. Went to ORU together. That's right. My, see, Ken, Kenny, Kenny knows. The gym is it, man. When back when I was single, man, I I had a um 24-hour gym membership at Planet Fitness. If it got a little hot and heavy at the house, I went right into my car, went right to the gym, and I lifted heavy, heavy lifting ah, to keep the other numbers down. Anyway. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Think to rethink. I look up Bible verses with the numbers that I see the most, and usually God speaks to me through verses. I mean, that's cool, too. Who am I to say God can't speak through numbers? Just don't get so consumed with the numbers that you start living by the numbers. Uh, Kayla says, hey, coach, appreciate you. Appreciate you, too. Thank you so much, Kayla. How does the enemy know us so well in our weaknesses and vulnerabilities? We well, have to understand um, there are certain groups or certain sets of personalities, groupings of personalities. The enemy or demons. So I want to make sure you understand the enemy is not necessarily saying because Satan not omnipresent, but demons are present in the lives of a lot of people. You have to understand that your kind has been seen before. Your personality has been seen before. Uh, you have to understand that demons are territorial generationally. You have to understand that they understand how to pass down generational cur uh, curses through dietary means, through thought means, through livelihood means, and they can kind of predict based upon the bend. They can basically predict based upon the fervency of the spirit. You have to understand they are disembodied spirits. They are able to sense how the spirit of a man is. You may look strong, but your spirit is not strong. You may be at church. How can you worship on Sunday and be back in that man's house on Monday? It's because they can care less about what the body does in the presence of God. It cares about does that spirit worship God 
God in spirit and in truth. For God is looking for such worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth, not just the lifting of the hands or the moving of lips or the whatever, whatever running around the church. That, that, that don't do nothing to demons. Demons measure based upon the hunger and thirsting after righteousness. They base everything based upon the authenticity and the genuineness of your worship. If your worship is flagrant, they're going to always be in your life destroying it, right? And so they know when a person is weak. They know when a person is vulnerable based upon their spiritual connection, their spiritual fervency, their spiritual worship, and their spiritual disciplines. If their disciplines are missing, then you're going to be frequent by demonic villains. And you're going to have them frequently in your life knowing how to cut at the certain angles. That's why you got to make sure you live attached but detached from everyone, knowing that God is your ultimate allegiance so that no one around you can be susceptible or used through the back door demonically to try to get to you, right? So you have to understand, he's seen your kind before. They know your tendencies. You have to understand, what do you do while you're asleep? They don't sleep. They watch you. They observe you. They know your tendencies. Humans are creatures of habit. If you can pre predict the habits, then you can bite in. You can control what happens if you know the habits. If you know the habits of a person, then you can alter and cause certain happenings to produce certain habits and then have that person bit by bit by bit uh, uh, um, destroyed legitimately. <clears throat> they don't know God's thoughts and ideas, but they know us very well because they got job to do. They observe you. They watch you. They know exactly, they know all of your vices. They know all the advice you don't listen to. They know all the vices that are crept in you, that are uh, inside of you. They know everything. Therefore, when you adopt and, 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 and understand biblical principles and, 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 and uh, um, install spiritual disciplines and begin to really remove all unnecessary noises and voices and idols out of your life, then you will be a little bit more discerning and more alert. See, I know how demons work. They know they can't face me face to face. They try to use my wife. Not saying my wife is usable, but they're going to try to cause arguments. They're going to try to cause frustrations at the job. They're going to try to use all these different things, but your response lets them know how deeply they can reach. How do you respond when you attack? That's why you got to take assessments and say, okay, typically I am vulnerable on these days. Therefore, I got to surround myself with systems on these days. You can't trust your systems as God, but you got to make sure that you allow God to show you um, the different pockets in your life that are open for demonic attack. So the enemy knows because they watch. They've seen your kind before. They know your mama's mama's mama. They know your daddy's daddy dad. And they know exactly what they can bring through you. And so that's why when you know God, you'll know you. And when you know you, you'll know how valuable you are. And when you know how valuable you are, you'll know just how often, how often you will become a threat to your enemy. And then you will not be like the Gideon army soldiers who dipped their head in water, but kept their head on a swivel. You just can't find yourself in refreshing places and then bow down to the refreshment. When you are susceptible to bowing down to being refreshed, but not having your thirst quenched by the spirit of God, then you suck for attack. You got to always keep your head on the swivel. The Bible says, do not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Hope to help. Man, how many more questions do I got? Do I have? Thank you, my brother. I pray. I'm glad it was a blessing to you. I got time for maybe two or three more and I got to go. Mimi Love says, good evening, coach. Good evening to you, too. And for those who's watching right now, 
Make sure you check out some other, if you need coaching, I do this right now because a lot of people didn't catch the first part. If you need one-on-one coaching, you're like, man, I need help in my relationships. I need help in my spiritual walk. I need help in my singleness. I need help finding my purpose. I need help with my branding, marketing, whether in ministry or business. If you need one-on-one coaching, go to my website, imunplugged.com. Go to imunplugged.com. Go to the custom coaching tab. Let me know what your budget is by hour, and I can schedule now. I am now life coaching throughout the whole year. It's not just a summer thing anymore, throughout the whole year. So if you need one-on-one coaching or you just want to support what I do, you can do so on my website, imunplugged.com. All right. Now, good evening, coach. Thank you for being encouraging in faith, uh, encouraging in faith in God. To God be the glory. He gets all the glory, fam. That's what me and my brother Kenny, my brother Jeff, all my other brothers we stand on, man. God getting the glory. Thank you so much for watching and for your kind words. I appreciate that. My brother Zandre says, what's up, fam? How do you suggest a married couple slash single uh, slash singles navigate a narcissistic father-in-law or a narcissistic family member who are difficult and do not desire genuine peace? Well, you protect your peace at all costs and you protect your peace through absence. My allegiance is not to anyone. If anyone, I don't care who they are in my life, is disrupting my peace consistently, then they're going to not see me eventually. Right. And so what you do is you tell them you don't owe nobody nothing. You don't owe people should earn your presence. People should be uh, uh, blessed by your presence. Your presence should either be because you're fed or led. But don't go where it's dead. Right. Don't go. Jesus went to his own home village and couldn't heal but a few headaches. You go where you fed. Go where you celebrate, not where you tolerated. Go where you led, not where you dread. Go where you led. And if you led to somewhere you dread and you go and you led to something that's dead, know that the life in you is going to bring life to the situation. But if an individual is mentally fixated on who they are and are so deeply rootedly selfish to the point to where nobody can help them, then give them the absence. Listen, I don't mind going ghost. Me and the Holy Ghost will ghost you. You know what I'm saying? We out. I don't got time to be in an environment to disturb my peace. Right. You know what I'm saying? So nobody cares. Nobody wants no bunch of ludicrouses around disturbing the peace. If you are ludicrous trying to disturb my peace, then fam, peace out. So how do you suggest the married couple ask them, why do you care so much about being in that man's life? First off, you have to understand. Father in law, that man is not a father in law. That's just a man in law. A father is one who instructs, a gentle, kind instructor, a gentle guider, a gentle guide, a gentle guide who is also guided by a gentle God, who's the Holy Ghost. So if he's not being a father and he's not being in a position to help, then help yourself and remove yourself. Right. And the thing is, I don't I don't go where I don't like to be around unnecessary difficulty. Life is supposed to be easy peasy, man. And if there is difficulty, then we make hard things easy. But if a person doesn't desire genuine peace and you desire genuine peace, then peace out. That's my advice there, fam. Michelle Miller says, let my absence communicate with, I'm telling you, my, I let my absence talk. And you have to understand, absence speak louder than you defending your position. Absence speak louder than you defending your, your love for a person. Like I go where I'm celebrating, now I'm tolerating. There's certain kids in my school who, who I only give 20 seconds to because they don't, you see what I'm saying? People ain't going to always rock with you. 
You know, when people, if I feel any given moment that someone tolerates me, then fam, I'm not going to try to force myself on that person. By all means, I'm not your cup of tea. Therefore, get out of my coffee shop. See what I'm saying? So, or I remove myself. I go where I'm celebrated, not where I'm tolerated. And I let my absence speak for me. You're so welcome, my sister. My brother's in the building. Question was answered. You're so welcome. I'm glad, Uni. Uh, PTL said, have you ever got writer's block? I do. But see, that's why I ghostwrite. See, whenever I have writer's block, I trust the ghostwriter. I don't write my books. I allow the Holy Spirit to write my books. He's my ghostwriter. So anytime I have a writer's block, then I know for a fact that the Holy Spirit is not producing anything new for me, then he must have something new for me. And what I mean by that, new experiences, new understandings. Maybe I'm not ready to flesh that idea out. Maybe I'm not ready to really open that idea and process it in great magnitude. And so if I follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, like this, like this book I just wrote, y'all don't understand. My wife will tell you, I wrote this book in two weeks. And I created a whole card game. The book and the card game are coming this week. And I got the clearance from God. If y'all remember my Instagram story, remember, I got the clearance about two and a half weeks ago. The book is done. My wife, we about to get the book. My wife's going to look over it. That book's going to be available in February, Lord willing. And I only, I only write when I get clearance. When I get clearance from God, then there's a download. And there's boom, 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 Just type it, type it, type it. Next thing I know, the book is out. Not out, but it's done. So anytime there's writer's block, what I do is, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to show me right now? Maybe the Holy Spirit wants you to get rest. There's a lot of reasons why the Holy Spirit gives you writer's block. Number one, you might need to go rest. Number two, maybe you need to uh, um, um, just go do something else for a little bit. Maybe you've been in front of that screen too long and you're weakening your eyes. Maybe you, maybe you just need to see things a little bit more, experience something else so that that book can have greater volume. But when you write with the ghostwriter, you flow where the Holy Ghost goes. Thank you, D. Divine Predestined. Hey, y'all. MJ says, graduation is coming soon, and I'm uncertain on what's next. I also am dreaming of dreading the question from family and friends on what we're going to do. Any advice? Great question. I was helping a young man at my school today. I said, my goal at the school I work at is to help kids exit one of three ways, either exit into higher education, exit into entrepreneurship, or exit into expertise. And I tell them, no matter how, where they exit, there's dignity on every exit. College is not for everyone. Um, um, certain careers are not for everyone. Entrepreneurship is not every, for everyone. But God is for everyone. And in everyone, he has a reason for their <clears throat> for the season that they're in and helping them understand who they are. So it is perfectly okay not to know. The goal now in the meantime is to get to know the one who knows and to remove the, the, the frustrational effects of other people's uh, desire to live vicariously through you. Parents, family members can kick rocks if they don't understand how the rock moves, how the rock stabilizes, and how the rock, the Holy Ghost, I mean, Jesus himself, through his spirit, will stabilize you, let you know that he will lead and guide you into all truth. That the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and it's okay to be uncertain. And so if a person is asking you questions, say, I'm talking to God about that. Me and God are still talking about that. You owe nobody no answer. Let that liberate you. You owe nobody no answer. 
Those who love you will understand and respect your answer. Those who love your answer or love what they desire from you more than you will become more pressuring. And oftentimes that's with family. Family loves too deeply sometimes. People love you so much that they want what's best for you and they're becoming a burden while they're at while they desire the best from you. So my advice is when family and friends ask what you're doing, say, hey, um, God's going to reveal it to me in this perfect time. I'm excited about my future because I'm excited about the God who holds my future. And begin to build yourself up in the meantime so that you can have faith in the real time of them asking those real questions. So what you do, you got to be okay. It's okay not to know. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know the one who holds my tomorrow because my tomorrow is going to be different than your tomorrow. So for me, I'm at peace. People ask me questions all the time. When are you going to have this? When are you going to do that? I'm like, man, God knows, and I'm perfectly content with that. In the meantime, work on your faith in private. Strengthen yourself in private. You see what I'm saying? And so that when you're pressed in public, what you have been doing in private will pierce through you, and then it will it, it will cause, it will silence even your enemies and your greatest critics, and they have no choice but to see what God does through you. Hope they help. Divinely pretty, I said, get out of my coffee shop. That's right. Oh, my wife said, the Lord told me to scroll down. My wife said, great point, honey. That means I better hurry up. <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, I'm not joking. No, I'm just joking. She might be joking. Paint it with a purpose. I'm going to try to get through y'all's right quickly because I'm, I'm almost at the bottom. God revealed who my spouse was, and I'm not sure why, especially since I'm not ready for marriage yet. When am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do with that if it's not even that time? Now, one or two things are happening, but this is what you should do. One or two things happen. Either God showed you that or something else showed you that. But the best thing to do with that information is put on the shelf. There's two places to put information. You put things on the shelf and God will reveal it in his timing. He will confirm it, right? Sometimes, like, we all have been guilty by saying that someone that we thought was the one, or we had an idea of someone that's the one, or we had the idea what the one would be like and look like, but when we met the one, it's totally better, but different than what we thought the one was, right? So if you got to make sure, number one, that God revealed. Now, why would God reveal? Now, hear me question. Here are some things you got to think about. How's your relationship with God right now? Are y'all even close enough for God to reveal things? Um, are you in a place right now of contentment in your singleness? If you're content in your singleness and you and God are vibing, then that could have been God. Either way, you put it on the shelf because you never know what you ate that afternoon. Then you met that person or thought about that person. And then your chemicals was unbalanced and you felt these goosebump feelings and you think that he's your uh, your man. But come to find out that he's nothing but a villain or just a regular civilian. <laughs> and that person wasn't even supposed to be meant to be in your life. And you said, God revealed who my spouse was, and I'm not sure why, especially since I'm not ready for marriage yet. Key thing, why would God reveal something to you when you're not ready? Especially when you're not ready or steady. I'm not saying that's you, but you have to be steady and ready. You have to be steady before you're ready, right? Because you're not going to always be ready for things, but if you steady in God, then he will empower you to be ready for anything. So what am I supposed to do with that if it's not even that time? You put it on the shelf. Don't even think about him no more. Because the, the enemy wants you, even with the good thing, even with a God thing, he still wants you to sabotage the God thing by overindulging that thing and making that thing more than God. And then when you make that thing more than God, then you sabotage that thing. 
So what I'll do, I'll put on a shelf. I'm like, God, you'll confirm it. If that's for me, that's for me. And get back to your singleness. Get back to being content. Get back in your word. Get back on matching, not that individual, but matching what a, a, what a, a, a husband that you desire to have. Put it on a shelf. Don't even think about it no more. Don't even indulge it. Anytime you think about it, just say, God will reveal in this time. And God will confirm the necessary amount of times to build faith in you. God don't mind confirming a thousand times if you know the thousandth and one time or the thousandth time will make you so solid in faith because God is still confirming my wife to this day. Confirmation don't stop. It's not like God is confirming like he's pushing a confirmation button. God ain't just in there pushing a confirmation button. The thing in of itself, when it comes together, naturally confirms itself. Even when me and my wife have random conversations, the conversation is confirming. When we interact with the interaction, it's naturally confirming. It, it, the thing naturally confirms itself over and over again. Just like the sun still rises, still sets, and the moon still rises, still sets. It does it because it is what it is. And when two things of God come together, it will keep confirming even when both those people are 80-something years old. Put it on the shelf, my friend, because it's definitely not time to plant that in the soil. What's up, family? Hey, man, thank you, D. I think that's it. Good Lord, man-in-law. Thank you, bro. Yeah, that's a man-in-law. There ain't no father-in-law. Jessica says, how do you receive the love of God? Great question. Uh, Jessica says, hi, do you lean on God's wisdom more than the wisdom of self? Okay, all right, cool. Let me ask you first question. How do you receive it? You, you receive something when you are receptive of the thing, and you become receptive of a thing if you be or are more familiar about that thing. So you don't receive something until you perceive something. You don't you don't truly receive until you perceive. And perceive means that I, I understand what this love is. I've experienced what this love is. And now I've gotten to a place where all I can do is accept this love. And the number one question I ask is, why is it hard for me to receive the love of God? It's hard to receive something you don't know, even if it's available to you in abundance. What you have to do, you have to allow your mind to start studying. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So the more I begin to read God's word on his love towards me, listen to messages that have been cleared by the Holy Spirit for me to listen to about God's love for me through those resources and tools that the Holy Spirit is bringing into your life, he will then begin to shape your life for it and break all the callousness around your heart so that you can be able to share what's on your heart to God that opens you up and then the love of God just overshadows you. Usually the number one thing that blocks the love of God from being received is fear. <clears throat> the Bible says the perfect love casts out all fear. The Bible says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So now you got to ask yourself, okay, what is causing me not to fully grasp the idea of God's love? Jessica J also says, how do you lean on God's wisdom more than the wisdom of yourself? We have to understand, understand, number one, at the depths of you, you're desperately wicked. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who knows it? The heart is desperately wicked. <clears throat> and when you understand the wickedness of the human heart, it keeps you humble. It keeps you from fumbling. It keeps you um, close to God. And then you begin to know that the fear of God is the beginning. So you have to understand. In whatever area you are not walking in wisdom is the area where you lack reverence in God. When you begin to revere yourself or revere other people, 
and respect and honor more people, people, other people than you do God, then you'll find yourself walking in man's wisdom. Now, if you reverence another man or woman more than God, then you'll walk in that man and woman's wisdom. If you reverence yourself above God, then you'll walk in your own wisdom. But when you begin to realize that God is, is the spark of everything good, and it's by him that every, every wise step is made, then you will say, I got to start reverencing God in every area and begin to document the areas where I'm low in reverence or there's no reverence and then begin to show reverence. And then I'll begin to see myself walking in, in wisdom. You any last one? I got to go. Coach, how do I share Jesus with colleagues? Not lying, but fear plays a part, but also uh, perhaps I'm not saying in the right way. Any tips? Well, first off, I reach more people by being the Bible than speaking the Bible. See, when you live the Bible, the spoken word through the, the living of the word has even greater impact because they have observed you for a period of time, have seen your peculiarness, have seen your uniqueness, have seen the favor of God around you, have seen God move for you, have seen this invisible person move on behalf of you in situations where it seemed impossible. Then they have you have greater leverage now because you have something they want. Let me tell you something. The best way to evangelize is to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal through you what everybody's looking for. Here are three to four things that everyone in the world is looking for. People are looking for love. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for peace. They're looking for love, joy, peace. Those three things are only found in God. True love, true joy, true peace is only proven when tested. See, see how can, when someone's watching you and you're loving the unlovable, that speaks volumes. When people see that you are content in that, in that, in that Chevy truck, that night, that uh, 2005, or you're content with what you have and you have more joy and in, in that old vehicle than they do in a new Mercedes, they're going to inquire about you. When they begin to see where everything is going on bad around you and storms are swaying, thousands are falling on left, 10,000 in right hand, and you ain't caught no plagues because no plagues come near you, people are going to realize, how are you such at peace in a pandemic? How can you be at peace? And, and the world is falling apart. Heaven ain't fell apart. So why am I concerned about earth falling apart? The Bible already told me the earth is going to fall apart. So heaven can reveal itself. So the best thing is I let the whole, I, I engage with God. I let his love cast out all fear. I let his presence be the fullness of my joy. And I let his peace surpass all understanding. And when that happens, people will begin to read God. Uh, writing in your life and they're going to be inquiring about you and then it makes it easier to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because people already bought in. Nobody goes to a poor man. Hear me. Nobody goes to a poor man to learn about wealth. But you drive up in the roads where see how many people are going to be asking you how to get money. How many people? People people will run to you when they think you're rich. Tell me how you made your money. Your Royce Royce lets me know you know what you're doing. Your Ferrari outside lets me know you know what you're doing. That Lambo outside lets me know what you're doing. That love lets me know you know what you're doing. That joy, that Jaguar lets me know you know what you're doing. That peace, what starts with a P? A luxury car, any no matter what. That love, that joy, that peace on you makes me want to find out more about you. And then that's when you share the hope that's in you. Because one thing, the fourth thing that the people are looking for is hope. And if you can uh, satisfy their dope with hope, 
gives them access to love, joy, and peace, man, that's greater than passing a track. Now, some people are gifted at that. They can pass out tracks all day. They're anointed for that. Not everybody's anointed for that, but everybody's appointed to be different. Hope it was a blessing. My wife said amen. So that was a good word. You're so welcome. You know, I'm glad it was a blessing to you. My sister said, come on, sir. That's, hey, that's how it is. That's how I do it. So thank y'all so much for watching. If you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, let me know. If you need help with your relationships, pre-engagement, engagement, dating, wherever you are, I got you. If you need help with spiritual development and you want to grow in your spiritual world with God, I got you. I'll coach you through that. If you're single and you're like, man, hey, man, I really want to mingle, but I know I need to be single, then I got you. I'll help you with how you can maximize it. Um, if you are struggling in your purpose, you don't know what it is, I can help you with that as well. If you need help with branding, marketing needs, I can help you with that. Make sure you check out my latest book of, uh, on Amazon. All this on my website, imunplugged.com for that life coaching, right? But check out my latest book, The Wholeness Journal. Are you whole enough to hold the important things? Also, check out the card game, Whole. The first one who spell Whole wins, a fun interactive card game, kind of like uh, Phase 10, a fun card game to help you uh, to hold the things um, in life. If you're struggling with your singleness and you want to know the purpose of it, check out my other book here, Are You Whole or Full of Holes? If you want to learn more about dating God, dating yourself, and becoming a dating bull, and asking the questions that either end the wrong relationship or extend the right relationship, here's a great uh, book and resource available as well. And this also has a card game as well. It's a fun card game to go with the dating prep. You can purchase separately. Also, if you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds, this book right here, The Purpose of Freedom is a great book here. It helps you understand what soul ties are, strongholds are, and it has prayers in it that will help you kind of become liberated. If you need discernment on whether or not that person, job, place, whatever is a counterfeit or a counterpart, and you need to know how God confirms things in your life, this book would be a great resource. Me and my wife also have a children's book. Here's our cartoon characters. As it says, Asiums or Wise Sayings for the Students I Serve. Great book there. If you need to learn more information about spiritual warfare and the whole armor of God, this book, World War Me, is a great resource. We'll also check out our website for T-shirts and merch and all that good stuff. I pray this was a blessing. You welcome, Corey. I'm glad it was a great answer. The Holy Spirit gets the glory for sure. Love you all. Y'all be blessed. Have a great rest of the week. If you want to give to what I do and you feel led to, you can also give on my website as well, imunplugged.com. Your donations helps us with this channel. It also helps us with our mentoring programs with our students. We're doing a great work at the schools that we are, that we support. So check us out on our website, imunplugged.com. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all, Lord willing, tomorrow on video. Peace.